Welcome to the From the STEM Up podcast. My name is Adriana, and here we spark youth connections in STEM fields. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to our sixth podcast episode for From the STEM Up. I am very excited to foster a community of youth in STEM, and I hope you are too. Today, we have a very awesome guest who has accomplished so much, and I know who is very experienced in the tech field. Hey, Zayed. How are you doing today? Hello. I am Zayed. I'm 15 years old. I'm doing good. I'm from Oakville, and I like to program hardware app. Uh, hello, Adriana. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Um, I mean, it's, it's not doing too bad outside. The weather's pretty good. Yeah. It's starting to rain here. And it's, it's pretty warm. It's pretty warm here. I have my window open. Yeah, it's like, I'd say, 15 degrees. So it's not too, too bad. Um, oh, it's, uh, it's a solid 21 over here. Oh, nice. All right. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? All right. Yeah. Uh, I am, hello, I'm Syed. I'm 15 years old. I'm from Oakville, Ontario. I like to do hardware hacking and programming. My favorite subject is mathematics and computer science. So what does STEM mean to you? Well, I mean, obviously STEM stands for science, technology, and mathematics, right? But for me, STEM means a little bit more, right? For me, STEM uh, makes the basic building blocks of how we live our lives. Like uh, most people listen to the podcast or on Spotify or all these other various devices. Well, every, oh, that right there is engineering and technology right there because it's technology as it's an electronic device and engineering because a lot of engineers had to sit down and make that device. And there's also actually science and math is behind it as well. Math being the physical, how, like the dimensions and not just that, like how do things programmed and science being the way that it interacts with you. Right, especially your headphones or whatever you're listening for. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I know you are pretty tech focused. Can you tell me about your journey in tech? All right, yeah, definitely. My journey in tech was uh, actually a bit long. I started way back in 2016, I would say. My teacher brought in a small robot to class, and this is English class, by the way, and I was very intrigued, right, just about how it works and everything. Right. So I started doing a little bit background research on the robot and it turns out it's uh, not that hard to program. All it was just very basic building block programming. It's not that hard to program. So my friend had it. So I just used to go over to his house and just would, uh, we would just sit down and block program. It was, it was scratch. We would just use that and program every day. And it got me a little bit more intrigued when I kept watching movies and TV shows and saw that people were actually typing on the keyboard and not just block programming. So I did, I did a little bit more research asked my parents and found out that there's other languages like Python and um, all these various different languages they can learn. So Python, C, there's Java, right? The most common ones. And I learned Python. I got a degree in Python from MIT. That was fun. And then, well, after that, I just focused more on robotics. And then once I essentially came to Canada, I saw that there's more than just robotics now, as there's a lot of machine learning going on lately. And there's also a lot more usage of app development nowadays for something like machine learning. So I decided to learn 
machine learning in Python and also app development. I've just been focused on those two way lately. Mm, so you transitioned a little bit from hardware into more software aspects. I still do uh, program with hardware with the Raspberry Pi with uh, with my me and my friend startup Zero. Uh, a lot of it is based on the Raspberry Pis of right now. Yes, and we'll talk about Zero a little bit later. But yeah, since you're very into tech, what are your future career goals? I know it's a really big question in that it's a little bit more far ahead for you, but where are you kind of heading? I really want to head towards biotechnology as there's a there's a really big market in that right now. And there's going to be a little bit more of a market as we go on every single year. Like you have your phone and the way that interacts with you. That is very basic. But then when you have something like it's scanning your face for face ID or scanning your fingerprint for touch ID or whatever, right? That is technology interacting with your physical features. And that's very simple biotech. But the day after tomorrow, we could get uh, someone to announce something where it uh, where we were reading brain waves and the computer is responding to your brain waves. Yeah, definitely. I think biotechnology is fast growing field. And with the new AI and even like things like gene editing coming into play, it's just like I see I see new technologies almost every day. I agree with your interest in biotechnology. All right, with that, we're going to hop on into the break. And then after the break, we're going to delve a little bit deeper into what Zayed is working about and also some sneak peek into some insider opinions on the new Apple iOS 14. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that break. For this next segment, I wanted to switch gears like usual and discuss the project you're working on, Zayed, called 3Cat. Could you explain what it is, your inspiration behind it, and how it works? All right. So yeah, I'm working on a small project called 3Cat. Or it's a it's a small encryption method that I've been working on. Uh, I don't exactly. I had a definition for what CAT stands for, but then as a with from feedback from people, I decided to scrap the idea, and then now I forgot what it means. So I'm gonna have to rename it sometime, or maybe just stick with 3Cat. But uh, yeah, it's a small encryption method uh, for reason, obvious reasons. I'm not going to explain exactly how it works because I'm trying to patent it. But uh, yeah, and it can it it basically encrypts anything as long as you feed it a file, much like in an AES encryption, right? And the reason that I started making this encryption method is because it turns out when uploading something to Apple or when making an app and uploading it to the App Store. You can use one of their very default encryption methods that they have, like AES or a standard Caesar. But then, if you use your own, you it, would, it looks more professional. Plus, you wouldn't have to pay more than what you would already have to pay for getting an app on the App Store. That seems like a very cool project. For our listeners, why did you choose to deal with encryption? And explain a little bit more about how encryption works. Oh yeah, the reason I actually chose to, uh, I personally chose to deal with encryption is because I knew roughly how encryption worked, but I wanted to go more in depth. So if anyone was to ask me, or how does this work, or how does an AES encryption work or something, I would be able to explain it to them. And what exactly is in a cipher or an encryption most people ask me right now? Uh, an encryption is basically storing any text or any item given to the encryption method in a format that is unreadable by any human or computer. And there's the physical file that you get out or an output. And there is the encryption key, which you get. 
and later like say a year or two when you come back to it and you say oh i want to review my passwords now or something you put the you put the output file back into the program and you give it the key much like a lock key and you get back the output with the official passwords that you had and then you can start encrypting it again and again nice that that seems like a really awesome field to delve on you're also working on another startup called zero could you give a brief pitch of what zero is and the app that you're working on all right yeah definitely so zero is a small startup between me and my friends and what it is it's basically long story short it's reusable item share and what that means is that imagine you're going to starbucks but then you don't always want to have to use their plastic or paper cups as that is bad for the environment so you can get this uh, reusable item from our cupboard per se and you can just use this item for 30 days and you, you can return it for a very low price per day. And then you could uh, keep doing that for not just cups, but also for bowels and plates and whatever. So you're at a restaurant and you need a plate and you don't want to use a paper plate. You could just use this instead. Mm-hmm. And then a person from our branch will come back to this and wash it and put it back in the next day. Yeah, it, it's, it seems like a very great idea to reduce plastic waste. Um, could you talk about some of your team's accomplishments with the Zero? All right, yeah, definitely. So, so far we've taken Zero to a couple of hackathons and uh, Tech Under 20. And Tech Under 20 is just a small competition uh, per se that, that that allows you to get real feedback from people that would that would see how your startup would survive and we got positive feedback so the zero app on your phone would basically be the app that goes ahead and that interacts with the cupboard or the closet which which holds your utensils so not everyone could just go ahead and take it or else that would just be giving up free items so you can just go and so you could scan the cupboard with your phone's app and then you can just take out your utensils and then you could um, return it right yeah and then um later on we're gonna try to make it much like starbucks apps where as soon as you walk inside the restaurant which is supporting zero it automatically detects the app on your phone and it's so it automatically says on your phone you already get a message that says oh, are you going to be renting out cups or plates today? That would be very, very useful. And I like how, are you guys planning to partner with anyone uh, like Starbucks? As of right now, we don't exactly know as the uh, as the app is still under construction. And when we are going to be asking someone to partner, we want to have it presentable to them first. Yeah, definitely. And But I really think uh, this can go places. So I wish you guys, what advice would you give to our listeners who are currently working on tech projects or STEM related projects and what is your workflow or process when making a project like Zero or 3Cat from first beginning it to finishing it? Okay yeah so um, any advice that I would give to our listeners right now is go ahead and try to decide what you want to fuck what try to decide what you actually want to work on as of that day and make a small checklist and try to use to-dos and comment out to-dos on your program and try to work on that. And as soon as you have one part working, go instantly to the next and always have a specific set of tasks dedicated for that day and that day only. And if you don't finish today, then do it tomorrow. That way it motivates you to really finish that one segment. So I agree with that process. And I know you are very hardworking and you're productive with your tech projects. I use music when programming. This way it really helps me just zone out and always just focus on what I'm doing and not have any distraction from the outside 
outside world, but I also do like to get up every couple of minutes or hours and then just try to take a walk and try to keep myself calm and before starting a new task, just freshen up a little bit. Yeah, and definitely have some breaks in between so you don't get burned out. All right, so I, I believe two days ago, it was the Apple Worldwide Developers Conference 2020. I know you are a dedicated follower of these events, and I think you've watched every single one, right? Right, yeah. And uh, two days ago was the beginning. Yesterday was day two. It's a week long. The developer conference is a week long, and you get to sit down with actual real Apple developers, if you're part of their development program, then you get to interact with them about how something works. And a couple of days ago, they announced the iOS 14. And uh, finally, they announced Apple's macOS 11, moving on from macOS 10. So what do you think about the iOS 14 and the macOS 11? iOS 14, I I decided to get a beta profile of the iOS 14 on my, on my old phone. And uh, it's very smooth and it definitely increased battery life. But the features that they have introduced, it's been around for ages in Android. Yeah. <laughs> like they went, the really two, three key features that they actually introduced in iOS 14 was the app library, which allows you to view all your apps in one place, mm-hmm. which allows you to in, like disable uh, having multiple pages on your phone. So you can have a really clean look, not have any folders if you don't want any, much like Android. They, they introduced widgets, which has also been around, but uh, it's just... Apple just has it a little bit more polished as compared yeah. to uh, Android. And they made Siri into a small bubble instead of having it being something that would take up the whole space. So if you were to look up something from Siri while looking at a small web page, you wouldn't have it take up the whole page. Yeah, and I, and I find that really great. And also when someone calls, it also wouldn't take up the whole page. Right, yeah, like- you would get a small banner. Yeah, I would agree that Apple's user interface and user experience is much better, but um, the improvements that they made were kind of just already there on Android devices. But then again, if you're always a true Apple fan, now you finally get to have these um, have these features. And uh, one thing that was very surprising is they're still supporting the iPhone 6S. It was announced in 2015. It's been five years for this phone. And Apple typically doesn't exactly support phones for more than three to four years. And yeah, most people are speculating that last year would be the final year of support for the iPhone 6S before finally retiring it and moving on to the iPhone 7 and above. And essentially just having just the iPhone 8 and then all the lineup of the 10, the 10S, and the 10R 11 series. It's not like that right now. Yeah, it, it, it may be because every year the iPhone just gets a little bit more powerful and maybe potentially the 6S is still able to handle the new technologies. Um, I think the only downside is the battery life that comes with that. Right, yeah, and if you're still a fan of the headphone jack, you could always just replace the battery and you're good again. But if you really like Face ID, then you would have to upgrade to something like the iPhone X. Yeah. Well, macOS, they renamed it to macOS Big Sur and they've moved away from stuff like deserts and islands and they've made it the name of a bridge, which isn't that exciting now. But it's, uh, as the beta says, it's officially macOS 11 and it's now supports running on ARM devices, which essentially means if you have a really old ARM computer, you could run macOS on it as long as it has enough RAM. So what was your experience with installing the macOS on your computer? Right, yeah, and uh, to a lot of people that sounds pretty normal, but actually it isn't as I'm installing macOS on a non-Mac or non-Apple computer. 
I have an HP and I installed it on that. Now that does sound impossible, but it isn't. There's a really, there's an active community. It's called the Hackintosh community. And essentially what that allows you to do is it say exploit Apple in ways that allows you to run Apple software on non-Apple hardware. So a brief rundown would be, I would I would I make a small boot GUI, which the computer boots into thinking that it's an Apple computer now. And then now using that, I can just boot into Apple's macOS installer and I can just install it on my disk. And start using macOS as a normal person would while Matt Apple is thinking that I'm using one of the normal computers. Now sure, nice. I wouldn't get a lot of things to work like the fingerprint reader that it comes with as Apple has that specific. I wouldn't get it. I wouldn't get the right side command key. I also wouldn't get touchscreen, but I do get functionalities like programming on Apple as it is just uh, all rounder better to program on Apple as you can always compile to their product and you can also compile to other companies as well. So do you feel like it's a much smoother, faster experience or is there like setbacks that you've encountered with that? It's, it definitely is a much smoother, faster experience, but uh, if you do not have supported hardware for running macOS, then there are definitely setbacks. Like my Wi-Fi and Bluetooth card on my computer, that is not supported by Apple as it's Intel. And Apple only supports Broadcom, so I wasn't able to use Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. I did have a small Wi-Fi and Bluetooth adapter that is supported by Apple. And I just use that every single time I wanted to use Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Yeah, so are you currently using it at the moment or...? At the moment, no. Ever since I switched back to Android, I just found it a lot more useful to use something like Linux or Windows. Okay. And also just wanted the flexibility to always game whenever, whenever I wanted to. Yeah, so you could switch to Mac if you really needed it, but for now you're... Yes, if I really, if I really, really needed Mac OS or if I just wanted to update it or something and just wanted to use it for a couple of days. Yeah, so for you listeners, it's possible to download this operating system on a Windows or Linux device without having to buy an expensive computer to do that. So on the topic of Apple smartphones, what is your personal opinion about the new smartphones in 2020? And do you have any predictions about what will happen for future smartphones? And do you have any favorites? Yeah, definitely. So uh, smartphones in 2020, they've really gotten far now, but uh, especially with the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra from Samsung. This has 108 times optical zoom and they call it space zoom. And I can, I basically, I can be sitting a couple miles away from the Eiffel Tavern. I can still zoom into it and see what people are doing up there. And that is just one of the key features. Nowadays, we have in-display fingerprint. And what that means is that the fingerprint scanner is now located not on your home button, but underneath the screen. And so the screen would be always active and you can, it can still scan your fingerprint. Has this already, I think this has already been implemented in some phones currently. Yeah, most of the flagship phones, which means the, the high-end phones that Apple or Samsung or any Android phone sell, they've had it for uh, quite a few years now. And my current phone, the Samsung Galaxy S10, does have that feature. It's just really useful. Uh, I mean, it is nice to have all, it, it is always nice to have a home button, but within Android, you also get the back button and the all view apps button. Yeah. How do you feel about the Samsung S10? Samsung Galaxy S10, it's a, it's a nice all-rounder phone. It lasts me two days on battery. Like right now it's at 17% and I charged it the day before yesterday. I charged it last night and it's about to die in a couple of hours. It's been lasting me really good so far. I've had it for about a month now. And even for 2020, although this is a year old now, it is a really good phone. Yeah, and how do you compare it with the iPhone 11? Uh, comparing it with the iPhone 11, 
they're it's like comparing a Mac to a Windows PC. They they obviously have their differences, and especially the iPhone 11 as it was as it was announced a little bit later in the year. So it definitely got. First of all, it has Apple's own uh, chipset, which has a lot of tied down specifications, right? And which only means that only Apple would be able to control how the usage of it goes. It's compared to something like having a Snapdragon in my phone, which means it's a it's an all-rounder CPU, right? So it can degrade upon time much faster than Apple. Plus, Apple iPhone 11's battery life is definitely a lot better than mine, especially while gaming. But I wasn't looking to do any gaming on my phone. Okay, yeah. So there is similarities and some differences. Um... Yeah, there are there are similarities. Most of them are similar, except mm-hmm. for having a fingerprint reader and having a headphone jack and a Type-C port. Everything else is the same. We do get a dedicated Bixby button, which is basically Samsung's Siri. I personally don't really like Bixby, honestly. It's just, like, annoying. I always keep pressing the button, and um, when I want to toggle with the volume keys. I feel like Bixby is just not necessary for what I need, but I can't take it off because it's a literal button on the phone. Um, you can now toggle Bixby to having it so that you have to double press it and just have the single press to go to Google or just have it off. Okay, okay, I'll definitely do that. That is a introduced that, I think, in one UI 2.1. All right, I will actually implement that after this call. What is something you really want in future phones to come? In future phones, I just, I would like it where you would have your future phone be made out of glass and completely glass, right? And just have a small frame around it. So in the Captain America Civil War movie, if anyone remembers Iron Man, or Robert Downey Jr. holding his phone inside the helicopter right before going to where he was gonna, right before the ending scene. He had a, he had a small phone that was completely see-through, but it was as powerful as our, as our current phones. That would be really fun to see implemented in a, in a phone as you could have it glass, which means you could always see through it, but there's always, it could always just turn on and you, would, you could always just use your phone. Ah, but when you drop it, it would shatter. So well, yes, but wouldn't our phones right now also shatter as they're completely made of glass nowadays? Yeah, but then what's the point of having it see-through when you put a case over it and then it's no longer see-through? Well, actually, you could put a see-through case, so maybe that could work. It's just it, a thought. Yeah, like it would be very good for aesthetics and um. It would be good for aesthetics, definitely. But we're 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 definitely a couple years away from that. Yeah, and um, holding a piece of glass, I don't think it'd be the most comfortable. But I would definitely put it on display in my room, not bring it anywhere. <laughs> Have it on display. Don't bring it anywhere. I'll just stick with uh, my Samsung S8 for now. This was a very awesome talk. I definitely learned a little bit more about um, smartphones and your opinions on the new technologies of today and even what you're working on. And I'm excited for what's to come. So thank you so much, Zayed. As usual, I will have all his socials linked below. Make sure to give his personal profile a follow on their Instagram, uh, as well as his LinkedIn. And he mentioned TechMender20, so I'll definitely link their website and their Instagram down below as well. It is a very awesome community um, for youth in tech if you are located in the GTA in Ontario, Canada. And do you have anything more to add, Zayed? Uh, No, that's about it. All right. See you guys next week. And remember to always ask questions and to stay curious.